we need to be teaching our, our kids the scriptural principles as to why the Christian life and the Christian viewpoint is the one to embrace and it's going to cause them a whole lot less problems relationship-wise and otherwise in, in the future. So I think a lot of churches can just change their program and realize that you need to take a, a, a stand that we're going to educate our kids, we're not just going to entertain them. I think we need to have some of our even Christian leaders step up and say, you know, I'm going to run for school board. I'm going to make a difference. I am going to fight for the kids. One of the things I got involved in in fighting for kids, and it and was from my ministry standpoint, is I produce uh, documentaries that deal with issues that kids face. The first one I did was uh, on, based on a book by the same name, and that was Every Young Man's Battle, and that was uh, the thing on, on, on pornography. Welcome to Charisma Connection. I'm Taylor, your substitute host for today, and I'm joined in the studio by Steve Fiesel, the author of a new book called Who's Stealing Our Kids? Revealing the Hidden Agenda to Secularize Our Children. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Great to have you on today. So very briefly, we're going to get into it more. What is your book about? Well, uh, I came up with the title of Who's Stealing Our Kids? Because when I look at culture, I think we're in this cultural war. Mm. And it's like this new morality is trying to replace the traditional morality that we really wanted our kids to embrace, especially as Christian parents. But we look at our movies and we look at the music and television and then even in schools there seems to be forces that are coming together that's trying to remake the worldview of our children more in a secular way rather than into a Christian way. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, someday the kids are gone. I, I talked to one lady uh, at a book signing one time, and she said, I homeschooled my kid and sent the kid off to the junior college in our town. First semester, she came back and said, I'm a confirmed atheist. So somebody wow. stole that kid. Yeah. So we'll be talking all about those forces in society. But first, a message from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Brown Church Development Group, a church building project impacts your ministry for decades. That's why how you build is as important as what you build. With over 50 years of experience, Brown Church Development Group's construction team has built hundreds of churches of all sizes and denominations. Integrating with Brown Church Development Group members, coaches, consultants, and architects, the construction team delivers a strategically positioned facility that reaches beyond just the brick and mortar. If you're considering a building project today, you're walking with your elders, you're talking to people in your church, call Brown Church Development Group at 888-879-1338. Remember, it's a podcast, so you can back up and listen to it again. It's 888-879-1338. You can find them online at churchdevelopment.net backslash podcast. Churchdevelopment.net backslash podcast. Don't forget the backslash. It really helps us out for our friends and supporters to know that they're listening to podcasts. God bless you all as you reach out to Brown Church Development Group. Welcome back. I've got Steve Fiesel in the studio with me. Uh, So Steve, in your book, in the title of the book, it talks about secularizing our kids. Can you talk about what you mean when you refer to secularizing? 
Well, I think we have an emphasis on our society today to lessen God and lessen mm-hmm. the influence of uh, God and, and the Christian uh, values and principles on a child's life. So you get that child in school, uh, they're taught evolution, not creation and evolution, just evolution. Uh, they're taught certain things sexually wise about sex education, mm. uh, not that its uh, abstinence is supposed to be valued, but uh, there's other things that they're teaching. So when this kid graduates, they have more of a viewpoint that ties them to where they have more of an understanding of secularized living than they do the value living, which maybe they were brought up with in a home, especially if it was a Christian home. Mm. So does that primarily just come from the schools then, or does the rest of culture also play into that as well? Oh, definitely the rest of the culture too. You look at what's going on in in the movies. One of the things that we dealt with in the book was um, in movies, Mm -hmm. there was a film that in the summer that it came out, it held number one for three weeks. It was the only film that did it. It was entitled, uh, I think it was uh, American Pie. Mm. But the whole premise of the movie was senior boys trying to have their first sexual experience before they graduate from high school. And that became the number one film, which, you know, teenagers had to do it. But what value was that teaching them? Uh, It was not teaching something that we would really uphold from our Christian standpoints, but then it's also to the point that the kids were thinking, this is normal life at my mm-hmm. age in America at this time. This is what I'm supposed to embrace. This is what I'm supposed to be. And normalizes a secular idea of ethics and values in society. Correct. Yeah. So then I'm sure we have a lot of parents who are listening to the podcast right now. So then for parents who have kids, what are how do they fight against that if that's ingrained in culture? Uh, You just have to take an active role. Mm. And I think uh, this is one of the problems. Parents, their lives, they're trying – I mean you've got parents that are um, both working. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons they both have to work is that if they're going to maintain middle lifestyle and pay the taxes, they're going to both have to work. When they're both working life, they have less time to put into the lives of kids. Mm -hmm. So the kids are influenced by their peers. They're influenced by the school. They're influenced by the culture. If you're not taking time with your child to say, now, I know you're getting all this. Here's why it's not correct. Here's why it's a deceptive type of a philosophy. You need to build your life on these things, and here's why. You've got to be the additional teacher to your child. You've got to take an active role in teaching your child um, even about the principles on which the country was founded and why the Christian values are important and why these other things can be damaging to your life if you embrace them. So you really got to get involved. And that's one of the things I like about the book. It's a book on the culture war, and there's been a lot of books written on the culture war. And the authors sometimes get in and they start um, complaining. Mm. Well, we do that too, but at the end, we give an example of how somebody has pushed back successfully mm-hmm. and then some action points that you can take to make a difference in your child's life too. And that's great because you want that message of hope. I mean, as we're, as Christians, we believe in hope. We believe in redemption and redeeming the society. Right, and that's why a lot of people say your book is different because you tell people positive things to do. Mm, nice. So then what are some examples of maybe some of those practical tips? Or you said that there are stories of people who have pushed back against culture. Yeah, one lady who had a very unique story. I I saw her, I think she was a guest on Glenn Beck's television show. Mm. 
But um, she decided we are not having our kids being taught a lot of things they should be taught, even about the founders. So you know how churches have vacation Bible school? Yeah. This lady started a vacation liberty school. <laughs> so she got churches that would give her uh, some time that uh, she would be allowed to have something for a week. And she put a curriculum together, and the kids would come in, and they would teach things about the founding fathers and the various Christian quotes of the founders, and then some of the experience that they had, some of the laws that were passed, that you could see that definitely this country was built on Christian principles. And so she became so successful with this that other people in other towns began to use her curriculum and do that too. So that's a simple, straightforward way that churches can try and fight against the secularization. Just just a common housewife that said, I'm going to do something, I'm going to push back, I'm going to make a a difference in in the lives of the kids of this community. And that's all it takes sometimes. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about what motivated him to write about this topic and what this means for politics. This podcast is brought to you by Brown Church Development Group. If you're in the planning stages of a new building, I highly recommend the Brown Church Development Group. You can call them at 888-879-1338 or find them online at churchdevelopment.net backslash podcast. You got to put the backslash podcast in there so they know that you've been listening to the podcast. Welcome back to the Charisma Connection. I'm Taylor, and I've got Steve Fiesel in the studio. Now, Steve and I have been talking about the secularization of society and some things that parents can do to fight against that. But it doesn't just stop at the parent level. Really, this is something that all of culture and the church needs to get involved with. Now, you talked about how churches set up a vacation liberty school, right? Right. That was actually done by a lady, and she got the church to cooperate with her. Okay. So what are some ways that the body of Christ can get involved in this? Well, I I really think that churches need to have programs where they really teach children, young children, especially junior high, junior high and high school on. Uh, I think sometimes we've been guilty in the church. And one lady told me, she said, uh, we're almost looking for another church because our youth group turns out to be nothing but uh, pizza and games. Mm. And uh, I think we really need to give our children in the setting of the church a little bit more meat in regards to uh, get them more grounded into the faith. And, uh, and I have no problem if you even talk about some of the current issues of the day, how they're related to them. Uh, our kids at school are being taught pretty much that um, abortion's okay. Mm. And in fact, um, they can even be told where to go get an abortion and everything, and as a parent, you wouldn't even know that they're being told this. Well, the church can speak out against that as to why that's wrong and, and make their stand on it and, and bring out the scriptural standpoints as the way it is. We, we need to be teaching our, our kids the scriptural principles as to why the Christian life and the Christian viewpoint is the one to embrace, and it's going to cause them a whole lot less problems relationship-wise and otherwise in, in the future. So I think a lot of churches can just change their program and realize that you need to take a, a, a stand that we're going to educate our kids. We're not just going to entertain them to keep them in our church. We're going to give them some real meat that they can grow on because they're being taught this in school. And if, if the school's going to teach evolution, then we need to make sure that they get it from us Here's what creationism is, here's why, here's the scriptures, here's where we stand. 
Yeah, we can't just stand aside because the other side is actively promoting their beliefs. So if we don't promote ours. One of the things I think really hurt the church, it took place back in the 60s. Mm. And that's when they came out with this 501c3. And churches all become 501c3s because if you get that, you're tax exempt. But then they say to these groups, because you're a 501c3 and you're tax exempt, you cannot actively endorse candidates. Mm. Well, the church was very much active in the whole Revolutionary War. There was a, uh, the ministers were known as the Black Regiment. They were given, they were given that term by the British uh, forces because they said, we are getting so much pushback from the colonists because they're being stirred up by the guys in the pulpit. The slavery... It was a church in Hudson, Ohio that uh, first talked against it, and then other churches, too, began to talk against it. And it was from the pulpit that there was enough people that said, yeah, this thing is wrong. So the church has a history of helping to right some wrongs in their nation by being involved in the political arena. But this 501c3 says if you want your tax exempt, you got to give up your First Amendment's rights. And we have the church having less of an influence on the culture and the life of our country because they traded it off for the, the tax exempt, which I think that is actually 501c3 is uh, unconstitutional because why should we anybody have to surrender their First Amendment's right? So do you think churches should get off the 501c3 program instead? Should they maybe put more emphasis on training children within the homes rather than in the church? I don't think we can... You're going to see us leave the 501c3. However, we can elect people who might change that in, mm. the, fu- in the future, and you can be actively involved in, in that way. But um, I think we need to have some of our even Christian leaders step up and say, you know, I'm going to run for school board. I'm going to make a difference. I am going to fight for the kids. One of the things I got involved in in fighting for kids, and it and was from my ministry standpoint, is I produce uh, documentaries that deal with issues that kids face. The first one I did was uh, on, uh, based on a book by the same name, and that was Every Young Man's Battle, and that was a, a, oh, a thing a on, on, on pornography. And so we put it on film, and the reason why somebody said, why did you put it on, you know, do that on film? I says, because I could have 100 kids and give them each that book. Ten of them might read it. If I have 100 of them in the room and I put that film on screen, 100 of them see it. Okay. So I said, in this day and age, kids don't read as much as they look at screens. And I'm still okay for the printed word and the books and different things like that too. But we have to realize we got to do something to communicate to these people and to get a message out. So that's something I did from a standpoint of ministry. And there's more churches that could do things like that. How can we communicate to our kids in the most effective way? And we've got the forces and or the resources, I should say, where... We can maybe do some movies. We can bring some people in. We can make a difference. We're just not going to let this culture start making casualties of our kids in the cultural war. We're going to fight back. We're going to push back. We're going to train our people how to push back. So you would say that just as American Pie helped to promote secular values, we can also make Christian media that helps to promote Christian values. Right, and and we are doing a little bit better in that area. Um, the film The War Room came out. Yeah. The film Courageous and different things. 
those things. God's are, Not Dead Two comes out later this year. Yeah, and this uh, I'm interested in this film, Risen. I haven't read the whole reviews on it too, but that's it. Looks like it's well done if it comes up with a a positive uh, message. Uh, it's the idea where where kids can actually see good decisions being made mm. and positive be, uh, things being made, and uh, we can have ways that we can fight back uh, with our kids and then actually get them involved themselves. I mean, these little smartphones that some some kids nowadays, their phones are smarter than them. <laughs> and and the idea of it is if, if we can have some things on that phone that are just short clips, well, then we can have millennials communicate to other millennials. We could have good kids communicate to kids at risk saying, hey, look at this. I saw this thing on YouTube or I got this on my app. You need to look at that because I know you're dealing with this problem. They don't have the confidence to maybe tell another kid what to do, but they'll tell them where to go to watch something that is the right answer for them. Or they so, can send them a link without much pressure. Yeah, so let, let's have let's have our good kids go into the fight to help other kids not be lost too. I like that. Where in a, in a way, the most effective weapon in the culture war is the kids themselves. Right. As I told some people jokingly, is that. Millennials like to get their information from other millennials. Other millennials, that's why they shouldn't vote. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that's very interesting. What got you originally interested in writing a book about this subject then? Uh, I had a grandkid. Ooh. He, I mean, his name is um, Tanner, my first grandkid. I have four now, but he was the first. I always tell me, I said, you were very magical. I said, you took one breath and turned me into a grandfather. <laughs> Uh, and he lives near uh, Fort Myers, Florida, and I wrote a book entitled Letters to Tanner, and it was about, mm. I think, I know you're not going to be taught certain things in school, so I'm going to write these down. So it evolved in the fact that I thought, you know, I could just write this concept for a lot of people and a lot of people's kids like that. So I got this concept that the whole battle out there is for the youth of America, and it's very political because uh, – one of the number one voting blocks is the evangelical Christians. Mm. We have to send our kids to school. We send our kids to school. If the school can be used to indoctrinate those kids to something entirely different that's adverse to Christianity, and they get that year after year, and then if they go on and get it at college, they're going to come out with a certain worldview that is totally uh, far away from what they were taught uh, in their home. And... Um, so therefore, I thought, what can we do? I said, well, I can, I can put a voice out to warn people that this is happening. So I really feel that this book is a wake-up call to the evangelical church and evangelical parents to say, realize this. Your kids are being targeted by the liberal political forces to try to pull them away from their Christian leanings. Because if they're successful in doing that, they can turn them in to their voters, and then they can carry their day, because then they, would, they for them it's an advantage if there's less Christians in our country because it helps them politically. So they're going to do everything they can to pull our kids away from the Christian values, and they have them a lot of hours in that school, and then they get hit them again with television, hit them again with music, hit them again with films, and. Um, it just takes its toll over time, and we need to wake up and say, what can we do to hold the line and to reclaim uh, our children? 
Nice. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Steve. Uh, the book is Who's Stealing Our Kids? Revealing the Hidden Agenda to Secularize Our Children. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. The book is co-authored with Dr. Carol M. Swain and comes out June 7th, 2016. Thanks for joining us today on the Charisma Connection. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.